Well, you remember that? Do you remember what Barry Bonds looked like when he first came into the league? It did, and and yes, and and you know the stories are that his hat size grew several, ah. uh, several sizes. Um, and uh, and Sosa, I mentioned this in the article yeah. too. Sosa, if you look at if you do a Google image search on Sosa when he was with the White Sox, he is a is a skinny little guy. <laughs> uh, looks nothing like the Sosa of '98 and thereafter. Welcome again to Caught Looking, Sinkhole's limited-run podcast on all things baseball. Uh, with me, as always, all the way from Canada, is Andrew Forbes, our in-house baseball expert. Hey, Andrew. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Uh, so for those of you who may not know, Andrew writes a bi-weekly column for us called Go! Go! Eat your row! I love it when he does that. It never gets old. No. <laughs> uh, Andrew has graciously continued the column this week, despite the trade war that my country just started with his country. Uh, however, he could not resist, I think, getting in a shot. Uh, this week's dispatch is titled American Berserk. <laughs> so what's the column about this week? Uh, the column began uh, because uh, Robinson Cano who uh, was a teammate of Ichiro's for about a month this year and for a couple of years earlier when both of them were with the Yankees. Robinson Cano, who I had always just kind of had the sense was one of the good guys, yeah, uh, was um, suspended for 80 games for uh, violating the Major League Baseball drug policy. Um, the column started as a response to that, um, but it quickly became about two large subjects that I realized I couldn't fit into one column. <laughs> so it, so on the one hand, you had the steroids conversation, which is still, unfortunately, a large, meaty conversation, one that has to be had if you're going to talk about baseball and how it reflects culture. And the other was one of the factors which drove and continues to drive players toward PED use, and that is the veneration of the home run. So this week's column is that half about the um, raising of the home run to the ultimate status in baseball. And uh, as a way to tie it to the nominal subject of this entire column, Ichiro's admirable and steadfast refusal to play that game. Mm-hmm. Um despite the fact that the evidence seems to suggest that if he wanted to, he could pretty well. So um, in so doing and in, in, in all of the, uh, the notes that I made and the drafts that I'd written, uh, the recent death of Philip Roth uh, necessarily impinged on my consciousness. And, <laughs> and I started to think about that quote of his from American Pastoral about the, Amer- the indigenous American berserk mm-hmm. um, and that, worked its way into the column as well. That idea that bigger and stronger and farther and crazier somehow represents something about the trend in American culture. So, okay, let me ask you a simple question then. How is the emphasis on the home run transforming the game? They used to talk about certain players uh, in a fairly derogatory sense as being two true outcome guys. Players who went up and hacked, and their only goal was to hit a home run. And 
when they didn't, they usually struck out. Those were the two true outcomes. They were either going to hit a home run or they're going to strike out. That is the way the game is played now, increasingly. Aaron Judge uh, of the Yankees sets a record for home runs by a rookie in, at the same time that he's setting strikeout records. Hmm. Um, both home runs and strikeouts are at historical highs right now. So the game has gone from something a little bit more nuanced to a game of power. Either you're going to strike out or you're going to hit the ball 450 feet. Um, and that changes the way that teams are constructed. It changes the way that players um, are coached and trained and come up through the ranks. Uh, it changes really everything about the game. And it's been doing that now for a number of years, but it's kind of hit a berserk point uh, now. Yeah. So this sort of lack of nuance or this flattening of the complexities is kind of interesting to me as someone who writes and thinks a lot about uh, culture and a lot about politics. So I want to ask a question. Does home run culture in the MLB um, in some way track alongside of larger cultural and political trends? Um, let me give you some... Because I, yeah. in preparation here, I, I did a little bit of research, not a lot. Um, so, first that of makes all, two of us. Yeah. <laughs> so no. you mentioned you mentioned a couple things. You mentioned the McGuire Sosa home run race, which which happened mm-hmm. in '98, and you mentioned uh, Bonds' uh, '73 home run season that happened in 2001. Mm-hmm. The McGuire Sosa home run race occurred. Uh, during what was arguably the most surreal event in contemporary American politics before November of 2016, which was Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Clinton's uh, impeachment proceedings. Um, And then that year that Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs, 2001, also a surreal year because of 9-11. It inaugurated the War on Terror era, Mm -hmm. which is still ongoing. Um, and then, as you mentioned, there were all sorts of sort of really weird things happening in pop culture, um, which, broadly speaking, seemed to um, surround America's attempt to like consciously triangulate its culture, um, its ideas and its attitudes um, about itself ahead of and just after, you know, the new millennium. For example, uh, first Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings movies came out in 2001. Um, first Planet of the Apes movie came out. In, well, not first, but the the reboot yeah. came out in 2001. Donnie right. Darko came out in 2001. The number one. I don't know how you how you how you would. Uh, I just looked this up. I don't know how you would uh, <laughs> interpret <laughs> this. The number one single from that year was from 2001 was Lifehouse's "Hang by a Moment." Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll get a sample and uh, we'll get a sample in the edits. In '98, it was you may not remember this one. It's, it was a song called "Too Close" by the R&B group Next. I um, do remember that okay. one. I do. Yeah. So you know, it's all about a guy who gets a boner because a woman is yeah. dancing too close to him. It seemed kind of relevant <laughs> to the Clinton thing. So, it, yeah, that's right. Oh, once God. again, does home run culture in the MLB? These peak moments of absurdity, um, mm-hmm. in some way, track alongside of larger cultural trends or is that just a coincidence am i reading too much into that i i don't know it seems it it feels true even if it isn't demonstrably true Mm -hmm. um i would also tack onto your list there i would i would put you know um the bush gore debacle oh yeah um 
it you know i think overall it feels like and i don't know maybe we can maybe we can put this on the internet but it feels like <laughs> a, a very broad flattening out and the race for the home run uh for astronomical home run numbers i think uh, it feels impossible to me to divorce it from from this acceleration of culture mm-hmm. and from this um you know, it, it feels like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in a sense. It feels like, um, and I would also, you know, I, it feels like that because I, you know, I do enjoy, I do enjoy a home run. That's what was strange about writing the column. Um, but it's a, it's kind of a, it's a fleeting pleasure. You know, it's very difficult. I wasn't alive in the 1960s. I was only barely alive in the 1970s. I do remember the 1980s. But it seems inescapable to me that the acceleration of culture, if not brought on by the Internet, then certainly sort of accelerated by the Internet, that acceleration being accelerated, is in part responsible for this, the way that things feel now and that the, the, the real difficulty that things have gaining sort of a cultural foothold. Hmm. And the need to grab attention with something unambiguously flashy or um, clippable or gifable, the home run just nestles so securely and so comfortably into that that I don't – I can't imagine that they're not related. And if the attention span is threatened the way that I feel that it is – then the home run satisfies uh, – it says something about some traditional aspect of American life, but at the same time it's reducible to a three-second clip, and it looks like it looks like Thor wielding his hammer. It seems to check so many boxes um, that, you know, as I allude to in the article, that uh, a well-executed sacrifice bunt doesn't. That I think that, that the, there seems to be – something zeitgeisty about the home run and about the fact that it was the home run that brought baseball back from something of, of a, a, a brink after the player strike in 94 that, you know, my attention is wavering right now. I can feel my wheel spinning, but to answer your question, uh, I think, um, the absurdity of contemporary life I think made the home run necessary huh. or the home run um, the sort of gonzo lust for the home run that people never hated the home run. Don't get me wrong, but to make it the sort of primary act of baseball and to fill up a lineup with nine players who can hit them instead of the way the game used to be played where a couple of guys could hit them and everyone else had a different role to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems undeniably an expression of and a spur toward an even more accelerated and less patient and less uh you know and more attention deprived culture yeah so it struck me it struck me reading the column that you were really sort of heroically trying hard uh, as you were just now i think not to pass judgment on the current era of home runs and excitement and muscle and instant gratification. Um, I appreciate this. 
But I think we were still together making a value call about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I also think you're enduring admiration for Ichiro, right, and the way he played is a kind of nostalgia, maybe for baseball as it once was. I think you're a little bit explicit about this toward the end of the column. Right. Um, So this is what I want to zero in for for a second. Uh, Baseball, as it's presented in America, at least the MLB, Mm -hmm. um, is inherently nostalgic and mythopoeic. Those of you listening can look up that word. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. It means we man- you, we manufacture our own myths. We make our own mythology. You mentioned that in, the, in one of the previous columns, actually, that baseball has a fondness for congratulating itself. Um, that nostalgia used to seem harmless. Um, but now, with the current administration's determination to sort of turn back the clocks, I'm talking about the Trump administration here, Mm-hmm. Um, to make America great, quote, again, uh, it's becoming really difficult uh, to disentangle, at least for me, uh, the nostalgia that baseball engages in with the white nostalgia of Trump and, and his administration. Which is to say, I know I'm kind of rambling here, this is to say that I tend to agree with you. I think the outside focus on the home run has been bad for the game. Um, it's flattened the subtleties, and it's transformed it. Now that it's an organizing principle, it's transformed it into something which exalts the individual at the expense of the team. Um, but I'm a little leery, and this is what I'm struggling with, I'm a little mm-hmm. leery of approaching it through the lens of history because that history seems completely inextricably linked to nostalgia. So my question, right. I suppose, and it's far far outside the purview of this podcast, just like the last question I asked you. <laughs> is it possible to disentangle history from nostalgia? Is it possible to make an argument, for example, um, against the exaltation of the home run without relying on nostalgia? That is tricky. The first part of your question about disentangling history from nostalgia probably has different answers depending on what you're speaking about specifically. Yeah. In the case of baseball, I don't think that it's possible. Hmm. Not as not as baseball is in this, this position right now of trying to have its cake and eat it too. It's trying to appeal still to the purists as well as to grow its 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 uh its audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I I dealt with these Every writer loves a chance to pitch past work, but uh, I dealt with with the subject. Um, You're welcome. In a kind of, <laughs> it's a softball. You loved it to me. I did. Um, uh, in a kind of a glancing way, I dealt with the subject in, in an essay in um, a book of baseball essays that I published a couple of years ago called "The Utility of Boredom." But it was a, specifically a an essay about Madison Bumgarner and the image that we're sold of Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner. Um, the hook of that essay is that uh, he was written up as a Sports Illustrated's Man of the Year or Athlete of the Year uh, a number of years back. And, and the profile opened with an anecdote about he and his wife. He took a day off from spring training in Arizona and they went uh, – I think they went to rope cattle or something. Hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and they came across a rattlesnake. I believe it was Bumgarner's wife hacked the rattlesnake to bits with a machete, as one does. And yeah. and in and in the belly of the rattlesnake, they discovered um, 
bunnies still living. Oh, wow. That they nurse back to health and then release back into the wild. And in that little anecdote, which was, you know, it was the first graph, I think, of this profile in Sports Illustrated. I found everything that I needed to talk about the way that baseball is sold as nostalgia based on a very inaccurate picture of America as it was. <laughs> but the enduring power of that myth, that nostalgic um, untruth, is so pervasive and so alluring that I don't think it'll ever be cleansed from – from 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 this the story that baseball tells about its connection to uh, the American mythic, you know, the foundation myth of America. Mm-hmm. The home run is too. You know, despite the fact that what I'm saying in this article and what's borne out by the numbers is that the home run is a bigger part of baseball than it's ever been. The the home run has always been, um, for the layman, the the identifiable characteristic of baseball, right? The, the hero hits a home run. And that's been true for a century. Before that, it wasn't necessarily. Before Babe Ruth, that wasn't really true. Um, but that individual rising from the collective or from the, the sort of the, from the community to assert his power over others, I think really is a part of baseball's DNA. Um, despite the fact that the, before that, the game was a much more community-minded and sort of collective enterprise. But what's important to note about Babe Ruth is that his rise coincided with the rise of, of sort of a you know a coast-to-coast media um, that could spread the news of his heroic acts very quickly and very effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, he became a celebrity because of the things he did, but also because of when he did them. You know, if he'd done them 20 years earlier, it would not have been as um, unifying a, a phenomenon as it turned out to be. Yeah. So the baseball heroes that we've all known and have known for a century have been the ones who, while they toil ostensibly in uh, a system and in a game uh, which rewards teamwork, they take their opportunities to assert themselves as individuals. The mix of those two things, I think, one which is reaches all the way back to the very beginning of baseball or, or whenever the sort of European um, ball games coalesced into the thing that we call baseball uh, and the other which is a slightly more modern phenomenon I think that those two things will forevermore be part of baseball and part of the in, in a lot of ways contradictory story of America uh, or at least the sort of the Coles notes only one of those things though I think is adaptable to the age in which we live now or is going to gain any purchase. I'm happy to keep rambling about this, but, you know, the home run has been important for a while, is so incredibly important now, due in no small, you know, in in no small part to the corner that baseball had backed itself into in the Um, Mm mid-90s. You know, it, it, our idea of a golden age of baseball has to do with it being, uh, really front of mind for 
Americans from coast to coast, for it to be the thing that everyone hung upon, everyone listening to radio broadcasts and hanging out of tenement windows on hot summer nights listening to, uh, you know, Mel Allen call a Yankees game or something. Um, and it is a very sort of unifying force in American culture. But the truth of the matter is that baseball now is just one of a billion entertainment options, and it has to scrap and fight for its audience share. There's no getting away from that. So it's going to sell itself however it can. The home run just happens to be the most marketable aspect of baseball. And if they are going to continue to attract a younger audience, it's not going to be because they're successful in shaving down the average length of a game under three hours or anything like that. It's going to be based on things that are easily converted into shareable gifts. Uh, and there are a number of things that fit that bill, but nothing as succinctly and as emotionally satisfactorily as the home run. So I am looking forward to the sort of part two of the column, which you're going to write about steroids, right, in baseball? Yeah, in fact, a lot of that is already written because, as I said, it was one gargantuan column that I just had to cleave in two. Yeah, because it seems like the there are two things that are distinctly American that are colliding here, which is, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, that, that need to market itself, and mm-hmm. the home run being the most recognizable aspect of baseball, right. which would then lend itself to the argument that you let players enhance themselves so that they right. can do the thing that people want them to do, versus the whole explosion that happened. <laughs> Right. When we when we found out, which is right. again goes back to that American, I think, thing about purity. Right, the idea of purity. Right. Yeah. So, looking forward I, to it. Yeah, and it, yeah, there'll be a lot to talk about, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I think what's going to come across is is just how um, morally ambiguous the whole thing really yeah. still seems to me. Um, and, and you know, sort of the complicity of all involved. So. Period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I will stop you there so that we yes. have something to exactly <laughs> talk about in a couple of weeks. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate it. Thank you, as always. Always a pleasure. And thanks to you for listening. Um, we'll be back, as I mentioned, in two weeks. I think. Um, Sounds like Andrew already has a good start on the next essay. So until then, this is Caught Looking. This is Sinkhole. Um, All right, we're out. Okay. Good. Yeah. I I think I gave you, uh, you know, after thanking you for all the free labor that you put in, I just gave you.